Ready, aim, release! Anyone see my mammoth? Hello! We are back! It is yet again uh, Monday, and as always, I'm Mickey and I'm joined by Carlo. Carlo, how you doing today? Uh, pretty good. Yep, just uh, just kind of getting to grips with everything. Uh, the chaos, the chaos has started to subside, and uh, getting a few things in order. Built, uh, bought and built a new um, a new shelf, so you you get to see that for um, the for for the next year or something in the background, as long as you keep tuning in. Yeah, nice. Uh, I see just uh, an absolute. You say a shelf. What I see is a stack of the boxes that you use to store miniatures in, which looks like about yeah, eight or nine uh... big now. <laughs> Oh. That that pile there is seven different factions, uh, all in their boxes. So <laughs> more than seven boxes, of course, though, because you know most of them take up more than one. Oh, yep. Dear. Anyway, um, it's been a week, hasn't it? It's been a week since we were last here, as is normally the case for Tony Ground. Um, it's it's been a pretty a uh, big kind of mental week uh, across uh, not so much the Song of Ice and Fire, but across the world. Um, but we're here to talk about uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, of course. Um, how have you yeah, been... Yeah, we're not enjoying... getting political. <laughs> no, 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 I was going to say, I'm not going to, don't worry. How, how have you been enjoying... What we're here for. <laughs> how have you been enjoying 2022? It's, uh, we obviously had games on Friday night. Um, have you been enjoying the new the new 2021 season 1, 2022? I don't know what to call it. 2022? We'll just call it 2022. How are you enjoying um, it so far? Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that the balance is very good. Um, I I think that uh, like well, it it it's not one. There's only been two weeks. Mm-hmm. I actually haven't necessarily enjoyed playing that much in the last two weeks, which is weird. But it's nothing to do with the balance. Like it's just um, you know I've been uh, as I say every, everything everything's been super chaotic for the past couple of weeks. Um, I felt like I couldn't spend the time that I normally would want to, uh, kind of in preparation for playing, because um, uh, you know I always, I always, I always give a lot of thought before any game even begins. Like um, I think that is uh, something that a lot of other people don't do, uh, but I normally feel incredibly prepared for the game, and I haven't really had the time to dedicate to even thinking about the changes. Um, in that close detail, I've, I've actually spent a lot of my time. I think we'll come on to have a very quick look at it. But I've actually spent a lot of my my time looking at and thinking about stuff from 2021 in terms of like, and and actually my mind has very been much been on that. But when it comes to the game itself, I do think that all the changes are positive, and it's got me wanting to make new lists. But I just think that. It, it, it's as we've said loads of times it's tiny little incremental steps in the right direction and so it's not wildly different it's not a huge step change but i do think that it's an improvement in almost every case yeah uh we'll obviously look into we'll look into like how we feel about 2022 and some of the changes later on um you know, we obviously we've only got anecdotal evidence, really. We've obviously got uh, the rankings, and we'll have a look at how they've changed uh, in the last two weeks. Um, but there's obviously some anecdotal evidence from our own games and our own feelings, because um, obviously, like all the changes have been good. But like you said there, Carlo, it doesn't necessarily mean the games are necessarily enjoyable. 
and um, we'll touch on that and what that means. And I think it's something we talked about on Friday a little bit about uh, the wind conditions of a game, which we'll, we'll come on to later on. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, it's it's been a week, right? It's it's been a week, and it's we're only two weeks into the patch, really. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not a kind of like oh everything's changed, it's everything's massive because it wasn't that big change it was the small incremental like we discussed so we will have a i mean i would i would say this though two weeks in yep two weeks in um people are talking a little bit about like a stark list that they think you know might be a thing they're talking uh there's a little bit of talk about night's watch but they didn't but they were only really nerfed outside of um ranger trackers Yep, um, I never. I can never remember which which one they are. Ranger trackers. Um, <laughs> plus um, awful changes. Plus slight small John nerfs. Generically, Night's Watch got worse, but like people are starting to explore and look at the faction again. Whereas, like, really, the the amount that the faction was explored was just awful. And then, like, why go further? So. There are people looking at stuff. I'm not going to tell you that there aren't going to be dominant forces. Uh, also, people, you know, are still very caught up on the idea of Drogo being quite a dominant force. Uh, I don't necessarily super agree, but I would say two weeks to the season zero, shall we call it, 2021 patch, whatever. Nine months ago, two weeks in, it was already absolutely flat out established that Othel was winning the game. Like, you know, guys, it didn't take even it didn't take a month. It didn't take one week in. Everybody just read the cards and awful was established as the best thing in the game with various variant list builds taking like at best like one month to come together into the into the version that we saw them dominate the game for the next nine months in any tournament where anybody bothered to bring it. Yeah. Right. So we are not in that situation, in my opinion. Like the the speed at which we have come to decide what is best now has already passed. We are already past um, the point at which everybody knew that Offer was going to dominate the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are better balanced. There are less extreme outliers, that is for sure. And that's all, all positive indicators, all, all good things going forward. Yeah, no, it is. Um, I'm, I'm not under the illusion that given a little bit more time, I think there probably is going to be a bit of a boogeyman hiding around the corner. Um, you know, I think, like we mentioned briefly before, I do think the John list, once that kind of gets figured out a little bit more as to balancing how it, what it needs to fight into, it's matchups that you, you take that over the other list that you bring. Um, and then how it gets finely tuned for those matchups. I think mm-hmm. we will get to a point where there'll be a John and someone combo, which actually, yeah. by the way, like as much as that is like a bad thing, oh, there's a dominant like pair. I have less concern over that because at least it's a dominant pairing. Like it's a thing that people have put <laughs> time and yeah, effort. At least it's a pair and yeah. not a full, full and more awful. Yeah. Or and, you know. And it, again, MOD and MOD, you know. It requires so. uh, it requires some skill to know which list you pick into which matchup. 
right? You can't just say, I've got these two lists and, you know, I run this into this and run that into that because actually it goes, well, hang on. These are the kind of lists this one deal with. These are the kinds of lists these deal with. They back up mm-hmm. each other's weaknesses and, you know, it's it's more of a thought process and, you know, each game is still that test of skill. Uh, unlike some of the unfortunate autopiloting that it became, I think, towards the end of 2021. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I do think there's a, I call it a boogeyman, for whatever you want to call it. I do think there's going to be a boogeyman there, but I don't think he's going to be nearly as egregious. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's... People, people will always be able to find, this is the thing, like, people will always be able to find find the imbalance. Yeah, like we have to we have to understand, you know, what stats tries to do is it tries to measure it and then tries to account for it. It doesn't say the game like it, it, it it's built on the premise that the game can never be one hundred percent balance. Yeah. Right? But we can get closer to balance and we have gotten closer. We've gone a step closer to balance in my opinion. Um and if we're more like one point six where Eventually, after an amount of time, you know, a really high activation Stark build came together, but it was only played by like a few people in person, and it did take a lot of experience to even put the list together, never mind mm-hmm. pilot it. Um, then that is so much better than the position we were in just a few weeks ago, where everybody and their dog was building these awful lists in isolation, not copying each other. Like, every single person was coming to it and was like, oh, I can see that that is obviously the most powerful thing in the game. And it was dominant from day one. Um, and dominant by a whole set of different people, not, not like, sh- showing that it wasn't particularly, like, player knowledge and player skill that was being represented. It was just the list itself. Um so I, I think that that outlier really um, was a bad situation for the game, um, overlying the fact that the game's core fundamentals were quite strong at the time. And actually, I think that the game mode improvements um, from the 20, 1.6 to 2021 was good. Yep. Whether or not, I, I, I'm, I'm unsure so far whether or not game mode has improved again. Like, I actually wonder if we were trying to solve the wrong problem uh, when we change game modes. And that's the thing I'm not yet convinced about, whether or not it's an improvement. Um, Well, we'll come on to that later, I think. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that for the casual player base who want to play one game, um, it forces more interaction, more engagement, and a game that goes closer to the full six rounds which I think is what people's expectation of the game is. I think that in the pure mechanics of playing a tournament, um, it has lost a little something of the speed of the game. Um, Games almost without doubt go one full round longer now. That is is hour and a half games are just two hours now. Two hour games are two and a half hours. The amount of ga- take games that will have to be called on time have significantly increased, um, and uh, and and that's what makes me apprehensive about it. It's not that the game has changed hugely, though. I do actually think that there's been quite a 
large impact in my own experience. Just the the few games that I've played, uh, I must have played what uh, five or six games now in the past two weeks. I think three, um, or, three or four against me, maybe one or two against Dan. I think, yeah, maybe others. Yeah, yeah, I, I played three. I played three games on Friday, and then uh, I think I must have played two the week before. So yeah, yeah. I think I've played five times. Um, every single time, it felt like we were close to one one player tabling the other like it was a real situation you know there were a number of games that were resulted in tablings but almost every game it was like it was on the cards yeah. now we can discuss whether or not you think that's right like whether or not somebody should get wiped out every game but that is a monumental shift from previously from 2021 um, the player, the lists that I'm playing haven't hugely changed. My opponents haven't changed. The lists they're changed, they're playing haven't hugely changed. And yet we went from effectively never tabling each other to now almost tabling each other in every game. Um, and that is a very interesting and change in dynamic. And I'm not sure I enjoy it. That's the part where I'm like, I don't know whether or not I enjoyed the games in the last two two weeks. But you know, it's uh, it's it's just something we're going to have to adapt to and learn to play with. Yeah, um, we might as well let's talk about uh, games and stuff. You know, um, they're a very they're in a very weird spot at the moment. Um, it's yeah, Strav saying he's tabled two of his three opponents. The game hasn't got much more deadly. Uh, there's a little less sustain, which obviously means by definition more deadly because the like like of taiko and things like that have gone away and if those big burst heals don't come in that first unit actually just dies that little bit faster in a lot of cases um but we've we've experienced it, haven't we carlo we've actually straight up experienced it where it feels like the vps for winning a game are a secondary win condition rather than the primary win condition. Mm-hmm. In that, mm-hmm. if you set out with the objective to push your opponent and to crunch them to part and to pull them apart and destroy their army, you will win. And you will win either by tabling them first, or you'll score enough VPs in that process that you'll win the game in that period of time. Yeah. Um, and it's very strange. Now, of the three games that we played on Friday, or the three games Carlo played on Friday, myself and Carlo played two, uh, Freefoot versus Targaryen, and then Carlo played uh, uh, his Targaryens against Starks, and two of them were tablings, and the last one you had two wounds left on the board at one moment, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And you were basically playing, you were playing scared chicken. You weren't even making any more attacks. You were just retreating no. and trying to charge block to prevent yourself from dying. Um, yeah. Now, who was winning, who was going up, it's actually all irrelevant, right? The point of the matter is, is that in all three cases, it felt like, well, you even said it actually in the last game against um, against Dan. You actually said, there's no point me trying to try and outscore you now, because I won't. I'll just win the game slowly. It is a better result for me if I don't, if I give up the opportunity of getting uh, a narrow victory and go for a draw which you would have won because of points on the table anyway it was a better opportunity for you to just run across the board and try and kill his last unit in the last two rounds of the game 
which felt weird. <laughs> you know yeah, what Jess, I mean? Jesse says VPs before VPs were everything, and now it's a fifty-fifty. I mm, I disagree with the concept that it's a fifty-fifty. Um. The way I currently think about the game is is that uh, I I just think it's flipped. Like I actually just think it's entirely flipped, yep. um, flip reversed. Which is the game is entirely about fighting now and not about VPs at all. Uh, whereas before it was almost entirely about VPs and not about fighting. Um, what I mean by that is is that when it came to list selection, right, the very first thing in the game. Um, I look at, I, I used to look at, okay, like th- this is, this is the mission. This is how I would go about scoring in this mission. Um, is there anything I need to be really concerned about in his list with that in mind? Or, you know, can he outscore me? Can he get there first and like deny me? Do I need to pick an aggressive list so that I can go and capture one VP point off him? Do I need cavalry to like go and get there? They were the, my concerns. I would pick my list, I would move into deployment, and I would decide these are the victory points that I'm going to hold. This is how I'm going to go and get them. And let's start, see what happens. I'll only fight if I can't get the victory points somehow. Like, But, you know, I've probably played for an almost guarantee to get onto the victory points first. Then my opponent has to do something, and I'll just react to it. Mm-hmm. Now that is entirely reversed, which is I'm now picking list, based on the fact that I'm literally just going to be like, I'm going to go out there and fight him. Uh, This list will win against this list in a fight. Forget the mission. Um, And when I deploy, I'm not deploying. Can I control this objective? Can I control that objective? I'm deploying like this unit needs to fight this unit. This needs to do this, blah, 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 down the line. Because I absolutely flat out right now believe that you fight first, pick up victory points secondary. Whereas before... I played entirely for victory points and fighting was only a way to get control of more victory points. Whereas now, the primary route to winning for me from the games that I've played so far feels like the primary route is win the fight, end up with the victory points as as a side effect. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the big difference here is that you don't, People, people will say, like, why why does it matter, or why has the game changed in that way? And I would argue uh, that lists haven't changed, although there are there is a lot more experimenting. And when you've got more experimenting, you've got less refined combos and things like this. So you are going to find that games are a little bit more deadly, just simply because people aren't using the tools in the way that they understand them before. Plus, to put it bluntly, people like shiny things that do a lot of damage. So they're more likely to test those out than things that are just tanky. Um, but it's the slowdown of the commander scoring means that, you know, you're both going to control one point, which means across a whole game, assuming you both control one point, maybe two, that's 10 points over five rounds, or that's five points over five rounds. You're then going to fight over the middle. And if you win the middle, you'll win the game. It's as simple as that. So don't lose the middle. So don't bother scoring the other point on the victory point. Just go and fight your opponent. Because if you fight your opponent and beat him in the middle and on his objective, then you win. <laughs> like, he scores zero points. <laughs> um, and 
uh, that's a simplistic way of putting at it, right? But for if you think of a three objective kind of game mode, the five objectives, to be honest, they're just three objective game modes with two on the flanks. Um, they they don't have enough tempo in the scoring of points. You know, realistically, you might be scoring two to at most with a unit kill and control of a third objective. You might score four points around, kind of maximum. And if you score four points around, that's a big round now. Whereas mm-hmm. like three points around is kind of like decent, and two points around is kind of what I'd expect you to be looking for after round two. Um, and at that rate, two points around to three points around, the game's going to round five, guarantee. Guarantee it's going to round five. Yeah. yeah. Because it's going to round five, there's more fighting you can do. You can just simply roll more dice. Um, Jesse says, does um, does one VP around change that much? Um, I do think that it's also like a knock-on effect. Yeah. As Mickey says, like once, once it gets to a point where you must commit to scoring some points by killing units um, because you're scoring one less around, you now effectively must, or at least feel compelled to, also give up an additional point to then win the fight. Like, I can't afford to just camp objectives anymore, Um, so I'm going to give up a second victory point to then throw it into the fight because the fight is more important. Um, But is 1vp that important i i say yes because what 1vp is is that the game goes on one whole round longer right and that is then like not just it that 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 could easily then be two rounds because you could be at the point with that extra round that you've created of nobody has any units left to score with or kill with or do anything with um so it used to be that say in a five objective mode like i would literally just play for four points three points three points and the game would end on round 10 no matter what right like and i don't have to kill a single unit i don't have to do anything i just have to get four points on round two and then retreat and score three points and three points um if i can like kind of force my opponent not to just like score four they're three, four, four in reverse, shall we say? But if I'm scoring three points, three points, three points, this is actually me controlling three of the objectives. I've still not won the game. Yeah. So, yeah. and the game will definitely go to round five. But if I just play for that and the game doesn't end, then I've given up so much board. I've given up so much of my fighting potential to achieve those points that I'm almost definitely about to like not score any victory points at all in the next round. Um, so I do think that it's actually a subtle, but, but seismic shift in the way that I see the game. You know, you, you may not experience it. You may, it may, it may be no change to you, but it, I would, I would argue that if it's no change to you, then you weren't um, playing a really heavy victory point game in the past. Um, Natlab, you say uh, it's, you could just be faster into the middle and hold out there without killing enemy and win. You could, or kind of like what I would do nowadays is I wouldn't even fight you in the middle. Like, I actually just wouldn't. 
I'd be like, sure, you've got a, a unit in the middle that's hard for me to kill. I knew that at deployment. So um, where's the units I can kill? Holding back objectives, maybe? Right, I'll go kill them instead. I've got five rounds to get there. If I can't get my heavy units to you across to your back objectives by, like, round four, or even round three, they should be there by round three, to be honest. If they're not there by round three, kicking the shit out of you and kicking the shit out of weak units that aren't defensive, then uh, I shouldn't be playing the game. Uh, <laughs> you know, if I've invested in these heavy kind of like killy units that can't even get across a board to not even far off the center line over three rounds, then I'm definitely not going to beat you in five because I'm I've seriously mucked something up somewhere. So you're not scoring three points. You're scoring three in round two. You might be scoring three in round three. You ain't scoring three in round four, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that whole that whole thing. And uh, it also comes back down to, classically, it always comes back down to this, doesn't it? Activations. Um, mm -hmm. Me and Carlo have played a few games, and uh, it's not the only games. Act activations are still just important, but it's about when activations happen and how you can hemorrhage activations off players. Um, a good attack, which hemorrhages an activation off your opponent, or two, even if you gambit a unit and lose the unit in the process, is sometimes just worth it for the control it brings you on the later, uh, later sections of the board. Um, even things... Uh, we played Windsor Winter, didn't we, Carlo? So scoring's just fucked up anyway. But, um, mm -hmm. but even things like, oh, you can't go last... So I'm going to get charged you with a three-rank infantry unit, and you're not three ranks anymore. So you'll never score another victory point again. Like, yeah, it's as simple as that. Um, the game will go to round six. You won't score, and I will try and kill you. Um, so there's all of that aspect as well to consider as well. Um, I do think that yeah. activations are no longer. Um, my advice would be to people that like they're less it's less an extreme of yes. an advantage yeah that's the i still think that activations are the best way to play but i believe that as the game goes longer cheap units say poor fellows are a good example except that they're not a good example because they also got nerfed um a cheap unit such as Poor Fellows, whose only intent was to hold an objective but die slowly, now have to survive a whole extra round, which I think is enough such that a six-point unit will finally start to show their value and kill them. Um, and so I do think that cheap, cheap units um, have a higher tendency towards not surviving the game anymore. Whereas in the past, like it wasn't a risk. Like I'd put a poor fellow unit down and I'd just be like, this will survive the game. I won't give up a VP. And in the process, I will capture an objective two times over. I'll score two VPs, not lose any VPs. That's an absolute winner for four points. Yep. Now, you know, you might score two VPs, but you'll give one up in return by dying and then your opponent will have the objective with the unit that they killed them with, and they'll score a VP. So like it's almost like a two-for-two two trade. You'll lose the activation eventually. And so that cheap unit isn't just amazing value anymore. It's much more complicated. Having the first chance to do really significant damage is still super important. Yep. But I have found, and I do think that 
there will be a lot more of games swinging backwards and forwards just because there's the enough there's enough time for somebody to come back right in the past it felt like whoever just came in and did something really significant which normally was your opponent was forced to do something and then you just significantly countered mm-hmm. and that was it right we have more time to set it up now more time for more significant occurrences to happen and i do think that um activations just ruling the game entirely is less apparent mm-hmm. less important i still would advise you that high activation count is going to win you games um but i do think that there is some credence to you know uh, a six activation lannister night bus and stuff like that like that list was silly in the past because it just didn't have enough time to kill enough stuff and it would would just lose on victory point games and couldn't contest enough objectives and couldn't score enough objectives. But now it has enough time to like go to town and do what it wants to do. Um, so I think that those are all improvements in the balance of the game. I do think that lots more lists are viable, lots more units are viable, lots more games will be undecided and be will be determined undecided by list and will be determined by player skill and by a bit of luck and all those things that we want to play the game for i'm undecided yet whether or not i think that makes the game more enjoyable for me personally like which is a really odd statement um but i actually really enjoy i really enjoy the dry euro vp scoring game i Mm -hmm. don't enjoy the go out there, roll loads of dice and kill your opponent game. Um, but that's a personal thing. I do think that there will be some people who really in- prefer that it's enabled their preferred style. Um, and uh, and yeah, there's, there's winners and losers in every balance patch. Oh, 100%. Um, one, of the, one of the things that kind of came across my mind as well was obviously we talk about strength unit strengths and there are obviously still good units and bad units right i'm not going to sit here and pretend like ah oh, every unit is viable ah yes but um but it did across my mind and i put this to the test on friday um is the gulf because the way the game plays out is the gulf between unit powers as big as we used to see um, because of the way the game plays out, is actually a four-point unit, generally speaking, just a decent four-point unit, okay. Um, now, there are obviously winners and losers, right? There are obviously good and bad units still, but I was kind of surprised when me and Carlo played in the way the lists felt, even though they weren't like what I'd standardly traditionally build, right? And I kind of sat down afterwards and thought about it a little bit. And I was like, people always ask for list advice, right? People always on discords and things, they're always saying, oh, what about this list? What about this list? And I'm starting to come to the conclusion that the list build doesn't matter that much. As much as it should do. It should do, right? And obviously, like, commander choice and knowing what good units you've got with that commander. Knowing what synergizes with a commander does matter. But actually, like, 
the minutia of like that attachment there should be one point here or that unit should be this instead or whatever like in 2021 i could say no you should be taking this i don't feel like that at the moment in the new balance patch um and it's really weird because it almost feels like as carlo says he says it's not as fun as he would like it to be it's not his style for me i i feel like almost like i feel like list building's not there anymore i just kind of like oh, i'll just pick whatever i want throw it in a list and see what happens and i shouldn't feel like that right it should feel more i don't think that's true no i mean i mean there are I'm, still i'm willing to take that one on the chin but yeah you know if you really believe that that's true then like i could purposely write you a bad list and oh yeah you'd be like yeah that's still a good list right like yeah, yeah. so all you're saying is is that there are more units that you're willing to take Yes, I mean that is pure. Which means that, yeah. like there's just more viable options. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be list building doesn't matter. So I think the difference is, is it's a lot harder to point out where a list could be improved. As in, if it functions, it functions because everything's trying to be killy, right? It's hard to turn around to somebody and say, your list isn't killy enough. Because if you've got a killy component in there, like someone says, oh, I've got Tully Cavaliers in my Stark list. I'm like, yeah, that's that's your, that's your killy component. Um, you know, yes, you could make it better. Yes, you could min-max that to some extent. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just a weird one. It's just a weird one. Um, actually, I think it's just you. Maybe it's it might just be you. me. Like, the nobody thing, else is with you on this one. No, maybe not. The other thing is that actually, as mental as it sounds... And this is something that Carlo probably does agree with me a little bit on. List themes are kind of gone in a weird way, in that I feel like I feel like every list I look at now is kind of generic. In that it always has the same components in it every time I see it. One of the lists Carlo ran is a list I'd literally played like two days earlier online, is a list I'd seen someone else come up with. Uh, outside of a few components here or there, maybe, but it just looks, they always look and feel the same. I don't know, that's just me. Um, again, maybe. I think this is just you. Maybe it's just, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think yeah, it's weird. I mean, like, even if it's true, I don't think anybody has a problem with it but you. No, I like, mean, it's not really a problem so much as. People would, ra people would rather. Have more choice. Have more choice, and yeah. people would rather that the game was determined on the table and not in list building. Yes. Um, but I also feel like yet, it undermines... What's the... that? You, you, it sounds like you're complaining that list building isn't important enough anymore, that you can't win games by list build alone. I think that list building isn't as important anymore in that I just don't think... I don't think I need to spend... I personally don't think I need to spend nearly as long on list building and coming up with something that's going to work. I feel like any faction you could give me, and I'll be like, oh, that works with this, that works with this, boom, 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 boom. Like, the number of people, I mean, it's obvious, right? The number of people who come up with Axel Baratheon lists, with Melisandre and Jack, uh, Jack and Hagar in, has been, like, outstanding. And it's always, like, Axel and Queen's Men, and there's a unit of Faithful, here's a unit of Lightbringers. I can tell you probably what's in your Axel list, and I've never even seen you develop it or build it, because it's always the same. Because it's the same components. I haven't seen anyone come to the table and be like, here's an actually interesting idea. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um... So your problem is, is that Stannis Baratheons now look like Stannis Baratheons. 
No, 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 not just Stannis, right? I could talk about it. Lannisters, right? You've got basically two builds of Lannisters that I've seen. There's um, Night's Watch, which all the lists like have different components, but realistically, it's just hunters, cold hands, conscripts, and ranger trackers. Maybe the odd Vanguard makes it in. Maybe Swarm Brothers makes it in. Maybe the odd unit of veterans makes it in. Um, like they're all basically the same. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It purely, purely is just me. Um, in which case, so that whole rant was for nothing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't. You know what it is? I haven't seen anything actually in, innovative. That's what it is. I don't feel anything I've seen is innovative. And I don't know what I'm looking for. Yeah, what are you yeah. looking for? People, no. people took all the changes and they made new lists. Yeah. And I guess but I was expecting something units, different. Units are all but like effectively supposed to work with certain commanders and be comboed, and they're built around the idea that they'll combo with certain commanders. Yeah. That's what they're valued at. And if you're not using that combo, then you're you you're just generically not using the list or the commander or whatever to its best potential. Mm -hmm. And then you complain when you see everybody uses Axel with Queen's Men, despite the fact that he is so Florent, first yeah, of Queen's the men. Queen's yeah. Men. Yeah. He is literally made to go in that attachment. I know, yeah. I'm not I'm not disputing that he should be in that Oh we have Andrew uh, <laughs> Esteban. Yeah, first Andrew of the Esteban. Men. First of the King's Men, and you yeah. control, and you and you sat here like, why does everybody put everybody put Andrew in King's Men? Yeah. Like because the combo is all but made for each other. They are all but designed to be the unique unit for that commander. All right. but right. Yeah. They don't have to have the commander. The commander doesn't have to go in them. You can have multiples of them. Yeah. yeah. But outside of those list building restrictions, they're effectively built to be the perfect combination with each other. But this isn't... And then we're surprised when everybody sees that combination and wants to run it. And like th that combo is a good thing. But that combo should be a good thing. Like <laughs> there should exist combos and they shouldn't have to take thousands of hours of experience of a Song of Ice and Fire to be able to find them. No, I, I agree. I agree in that sense. But it means that the list builds we see, and to put it to put it bluntly. It just brings me vibes of MOD. They're not built for you, but it feels almost point and click how you build lists for a lot of factions at the moment. That's what it feels like. The, it, the spirits of the list of, like, I'm not saying that it was some kind of, ah, oh, building a Carl Drogo list was interesting, but you compare building Mother of Dragons to building Carl Drogo in 2021, Carl Drogo actually needed you to think. <laughs> Mother of Dragons, you click on one button and there you go, 20, 20 points and you put Tycho in there, 25 points done. Um, it just seems to me that you pick a commander now and it's like, well, the commander, that's your commander and, well, that's the unit the commander goes in and then, like, well, these are units that benefit this commander and it's like the solution or the list build just feels the same. Um, whereas we didn't see that as much in 2021 uh, before the change. Um, and yeah, it might just be me. I don't know, it might just be me, but I really do feel Absolutely that... just you because nothing has changed yeah. in that respect. No. We'll see. We'll see how many lists there actually are, right? Um, that spawn out of all of this. Um, yeah, little has changed. Shall we move on? Because yeah, yeah, literally we'll nobody has agreed with you in the past twenty minutes. Mm 
Uh, Nobody thinks that you're hey. uh, that your current rant is uh... it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Marwin. Marwin gave you the benefit of the doubt, which is he and thinks he that he thinks that he can get away with. Uh... Oh yeah, he's retracted. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You you lost Marwin. You won. Uh, you won supporter. I know, right? But uh, he's also right there. By the way, um, it is because the game is decided on the table. Uh, you can like. It all comes down to how well you play. I do think it always was a, a battle of who was on the who who was better on the tabletop on the day. But me and Carlo had discussed at some length um, about some matchups almost not being a skill check at all anymore, um, uh, and some of the top like the top tier stuff. You know, not awful. Yes, at the very top tables. Yes, there was still skill. You had to know what you were doing. But the vast majority of games, it wasn't a battle of skill. Uh, Free Folk, uh, if you're playing the Raider Spam style stuff, it wasn't a battle of skill. Um, it was a battle of Digidraw and Sword in round one. You know. Um, whereas I do think that the battle or the skill on the tabletop is now more important in the the season one update. So yeah, I agree there. Um, but yeah. Um, I don't know, just me, just me. I, I just, yeah, I'm just not invigorated when I see anything, and maybe I'm, maybe I shouldn't be. I don't know. Um, That's because you play a boring faction. I mean, I play multiple factions, so I've, all of them must be boring. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll move on, and we will look at what else are we can look at. Oh, this is a 2021 thing, right? Uh, we'll, Briefly look at this one. There we go. It was the right one. Um, fancy graphs. Anyone who doesn't like maths, bye-bye. No. Uh, hang around here. So, um, I mean, anybody who does like maths, you should probably look away now because this, this graph is, hor- is horrific. It is. It's awful to look at. Um, <laughs> but it is interesting nonetheless, right? That's, that's, that's what we're here, here for, is interesting things to look at. Um, Carlo, you, you should explain it. I've talked enough. You explain it. Uh, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. This, um, so I've been, uh, I've been analyzing all the results from before, before the update, before 2021. Um, and this is an interesting graph, which um, Lee Teddy was asking about. He, he wanted to know um, basically about neutral usage um, inside of each faction. Um, this is a lot of information on one graph. Um, so I'll try and step through it step by step. Uh, firstly, I mean, what we're plotting across the x-axis is um, the points of neutrals used. I only analyzed 40-point games because 40-point games make up like 95-plus percent of all the submissions to the site. Like That is an interesting fact in itself, and something that I'll have a look at and see whether or not longer games has moved people to move playing at 30 points or anything like that in a year's time. Um, but uh, forty points just is the game effectively. Um, from from what we can see, nobody really plays outside of forty points unless they play for novelty purposes. So uh, obviously, we can go up to our fifty percent uh, neutral cap of twenty points, uh, and we see for all the different factions except neutrals, who use one hundred percent neutrals, not a faction. Um, we see is uh, actually grouped up 
though they're plotted as 5, 10, 15, and 20 points of neutrals and 0, they're actually 0 or 1 to 5 or 6 to 10 or 11 to 15 or 16 to 20, but they're all just plotted at their upper bound uh, just for ease um, of how many points you spent on neutrals. And we see that for all the different factions versus what their win rate is. Um, so the first takeaway, which is actually really, really more extreme than I thought it was going to be, is that outside of Free Folk, which is that one little green dot by itself, because they obviously only ever buy zero neutrals and they don't actually get to plot a graph, they just have a win rate. They have a 52% win rate overall in 2021. Every other faction, even Night's Watch, as the best performing faction by a decent margin, every other faction wins less than 50% of the time if they take zero neutrals. This is, I think, very interesting point, which is that some neutral usage improves every single faction. No doubt. And I think that everybody's very, very aware of how powerful and how widely used Tycho and Baelish were in the last edition, right? One or one or, another, or the other. You could take both if you want, but one or the other appeared in almost every single list on top tables. Um, what we see also is right down at like 30% win rate, we have our Baratheons when they use zero neutrals. And above that, we have our low-performing Lannisters, right? It's very interesting that the bad factions are really, really bad when they don't use any neutrals. And they rely very heavily on neutrals to win. Um, what we generically see and this is actually a very interesting talking point, is that almost every faction improves with high, higher neutral usage, with a couple of exceptions. The only two factions that don't want to just use as many neutrals as possible were Night's Watch and Targaryens. Targaryens is quite a difficult concept to talk about, their data is really, really skewed and and kind of rolled up inside the concept of what Mother of Dragons is, because Mother of Dragons had such a significantly high win rate that um, their activation graph doesn't look like everybody else's because Mother of Dragons plays at seven activations and has a high, really, really high win rate. So their highest win rate is at seven activations, whereas everybody else's the highest win rate is at higher activation counts. Um, also, you know, the actual points that you spend inside of Mother of Dragons is usually, well, Tycho, and that might be it. Maybe somebody brings Blackguard. Um, and so they cap out at like 10 points of neutral spent, maybe two NCUs, maybe an NCU and a six-point unit if they want to use Blackguard and not use, um, not use Pikeman, for example. So those two factions peak some neutral usage, but that first bit of neutral usage massively increases your win rate. Just taking a single neutral NCU or a single neutral unit to support your base unit is so, so important to improving your win rate. 
Now, one of the most interesting um, concepts that will surprise people is that even Greyjoys, who generically don't have what's considered to be high-neutral synergies, the more they use, the better they do. And even Greyjoys are a very neutral-orientated faction. Most of that, we have to assume, is the high-performing neutrals of Blade Men, Bolton Bastard Girls, and Hedge Knights. And then we also see Tycho Baelish, right? Now, uh, Tycho's probably... Blackguards a lot, I think, in Greyjoy lists yeah. as well. Blackguards, one thing yeah. They don't uh, I'm to... talking more generically, yeah. not necessarily the specifics of a Greyjoy list. Yeah. Um, you take Tycho maybe out of the question. There was a big discussion last week about whether or not five points he's still good at. But I don't think that you'll see really wide usage, and I don't think that he's good enough that he will significantly increase your win rate anymore. I still think that you'll see a lot of Baelish get used. And Flayed Men, Hedge Knights, Bombaster Girls, none of these units changed, right? So you can still believe that going forward, high usage of these units will lead to higher win rates. And um, and I think that I think that it's a very interesting kind of set of results. And it really shows the, the haves and the haves nots of the last edition, that there were certain factions that effectively really heavily relied upon neutrals to be able to do as well as other factions could do without neutrals. And the factions that had the choice to sprinkle in a little bit of neutrals where they wanted to, which is where I think that everybody should be, those ones who could just choose to put them in here or there were by far the most dominant factions. You know, the Targaryens and uh, and the Night's Watch both just use neutrals to the amount that they want to because a neutral piece gives them a real bonus. Whereas we see Baratheons, Lannisters, and to some extent, um, our our Stark and our Greyjoys being forced to take neutral units because neutral units are just good units, and they're just better than the units that they have inside of their own faction. Um, do and so, what, do you know what actually interests me the most, personally, is that it was. Uh, I, I'd use Free Folk here as a stable point in that Free Folk's win rate, obviously, they don't use neutrals, right? So it's a consistent point on the graph um, because they are just a consistent win rate. Now, this is win rates only, which is obviously never quite the full story. Um, but what I think is super interesting is it moves the like of Lannisters, Starks, um, you know, uh, Greyjoys to a comparable win rate. At mm-hmm. those high neutral levels, Brathians are still yep. way off the pace, right? But actually, they're comparable with the na- the natural win rate of free folk, which I think says so much about the way, like the last edition mattered in terms of like that. As you say, the power pieces. Um, if you, you know, you take Lannisters and look. I mean, you only got to look at the list. Lannisters had a appalling, probably not many. To be fair, probably not many games played. Um. But an appalling roughly 35% win rate at zero neutrals. And then you compare them to what is close to a 55% win rate, or just over even, at 20 points of neutrals. Like, that's insane. 
difference. Absolutely insane. It's a it's a twenty percent win rate rise from yeah. significantly worse than the best faction at zero points, which is Free Folk, surprisingly, um, to being better than them. Like that's that's just insane. Um, yeah, it, it's not surprising at all that like there's big disparity. No, when there's no neutrals. And that that disparity narrows, 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 narrows as we add more and more neutrals. Because, yeah. well, we're all using the same units at that point. Yep. Now, the only difference is our commanders our our and our deck, really. Like, we're using the same NCUs to a large percentage. Half of our army yep. is, is the same as each other's. Half of our units, half of our NCUs, half of our stuff. We could be using a neutral commander or not. Doesn't really matter. We're all using the same stuff, so obviously there isn't a huge variance in who's winning and who's not. But when we have totally different armies, when nothing of our armies match, because I'm using entirely my faction's core units, and you're using entirely your core faction's units, variance is like twice as big, you know, the range. You know, we could dis we could disclude free folk as like not really part of this discussion, but <laughs> our variance is like forty seven percent to thirty two percent, like a fifteen percent variance between the top performers and the bottom performance, and it's half that. It's you know it, it it's what like forty seven percent through to fifty five percent. It's an eight percent variance once we all spend half of our army on the same thing which is, you know, almost too good to be true, which is spend half of your army on identical things and the difference in your win rate halves, right? <laughs> that just tells you that the units available to Baratheons and Lannisters just weren't as good as the units available to uh, to neutrals and to, um, to Targaryens. Their decks will always matter, no matter how much neutrals you use, there will always be variants in deck and play style and synergies and commander synergies. And you'll always be using at least one of your own units and at least one of your own NCUs, really, in reality. So how good your best unit or how good your best NCU matters a lot. But if you only have to have one good unit and one good NCU and you can buy all the rest in neutrals, then the variance in how good you can be is a lot, lot lower. Yeah. It is It is a super interesting graph. Um, it, it's a very interesting uh, discussion as well um, in terms of just talking about the impact that neutrals have. Um, now, do we think the same is true in the new edition? We will see, I guess. Um, we know that things like Flayed Men haven't really been changed, but other 8-point cavalry have been buffed. Um, so this is what we hope to see this kind of like move away from. But it is an interesting discussion to say that when the most egregious part of the game, you know, to almost, it sounds kind of crazy when you say it like this, the best thing that you could do for list building was not pick your own faction stuff <laughs> in 2021. Mm -hmm. It's like invest as much as heavily in you can as in these kind of like decent, neutral units and you'll be in such a good position off that base the rest of your list just do what you can with it um yeah i do i do i do think that moving forward we expect to see the lowest 
it definitely Baratheons is going to, you know, its performance without neutrals will largely improve. Yeah. Um, as Pavel says, you know, Lightbringers no longer need to be Stormcrow Archers. They are now actually better than Stormcrow Archers. They are good at six points. Um, we see, yeah, like, you know, they have, they have real tool choices at seven points. They can use their own units. They always had pretty decent NCUs. Now they have some units to use, right? Yeah, that's Baratheons moving up. There's a big question around Lannisters for me. Knights of Castle Rock are a viable alternative to Flayed Men, mm-hmm. but the old unit that they used to rely on, Poor Fellows, now is so significantly worse that I think that the faction. I, I'm not sure. What, I'm not sure what the last the plot will look like. I really, I really am not sure. Well, I think um, the on that topic with the, the poor fellow change you touched on it earlier i think the significant change is the way the game plays out as well poor fellows with the nerf actually just are less useful um even if they weren't nerfed i think poor fellows would be less yeah. useful and now that they're nerfed they're even more less useful um so i think it's yeah, yeah it's a difficult time for them i think that um the change to taiko alone means that he's not the best four points that you can spend on NCUs. Um, so I think that this massive step up and improvement for the first four points you spend on neutrals yeah. won't be as apparent anymore. And I would like the line to be a lot closer. I'd like to the performance to be a lot better with low neutrals by comparison to high neutrals. Um, I do think that it will be. I still think that there will be an improvement in your performance as you use more neutrals still. I still think that for most factions, as you use more neutrals, you will do better. I still think that the neutral cap at 50% is too lenient, shall we say, or like just it stops factions from being easily or or like strongly identified as themselves because i still think that most people's best choice will be to field somewhere between like 12 to 16 points of neutrals maybe something like that like you're still really great you've putting in some flayed men or some bolton bastard girls they're still really really good choices um plus i still think that everybody's third ncu will still probably be baelish or varus or like you know they're still gonna they're going to be your third best NCU. They're just not going to be your first best. So still, everybody's going to spend four to five points in that category too. And we'll all you got to do is buy flayed men and one NCU, and you spent twelve points on neutrals, right? Yeah. And you're already up there at the top end of how many neutrals you can spend, and your list is probably better. It's not as big an improvement as it used to be. It's not way way better than the other options. Uh, so we may not see significant increase in our win rate based off of it, but I do think that um, that it'll still be there. I, I, I expect it'll still be there. If just out of curiosity, Carlo, we're doing a this is uh, this is something we don't often do. Um, if you were to choose, uh, if you will, the shape of this curve, right? At the moment, we see them as uh, anyone who's watching. Um, live you'll know you'll be able to see this they're all kind of be it inverse parabolas right basically uh, or close to uh, if you're too strong they're uh, normal parabolas if you're shit <laughs> um, and they, they increase quite dramatically to, especially for, for starks it's quite sad um what would you what 
kind of shape would you prefer? Would you prefer having that kind of like smooth, it peaks a little bit, then kind of drops off? Or would you rather they had a ge general increase? Or would you prefer it just be a nice flat line? What would you prefer? Well, I mean, like, it depends what you mean by what would I prefer. Like, the ideal situation would be that they would be flat. Yeah. Like, no, but that's fine. Ide yeah. Ideally, like, ideally taking more neutrals shouldn't lead you to win more. Okay. Like, you know, like, mathematically speaking, I mean... I know, I'm, I'm asking what you want. Are we talking about math? The mathematical ideal situation is we just have a load of straight lines at 50%. Like, everything yeah. just wins half the time. Like, that is... If that's no, no, I was just curious what you wanted. That was all, because um, you know that's that's just a it's a question, isn't it, about personal choice? Um, stats stats don't care what you want, Mickey. I didn't say they did. I said, what did the, you want? Maths, that was my question. This, 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 <laughs> yeah, but like the stats don't care what I want either. This, no, of course this is an interesting don't. thing. You know, I was discussing earlier with somebody. You know, they asked. Uh, they were asking about the stats and um, and the concept around like how how you can help somebody mm -hmm. with them you know like how how can you tell somebody that the stats are very very clear that three ncu's performance better than two and like it's like the stats don't care how you feel about it they don't care how you feel about three ncu's or two ncu's they just observe mm -hmm. they just measure that it is better like, and they don't care how you felt about the game. They don't care whether or not you thought it was enjoyable. They don't care whether or not you thought it was powerful. They don't care why you picked it. They don't care what Any. you did with it. They don't care how you played with it because, like, thousands of different people have submitted results with it, right? Mm -hmm. They don't care what kind of player you are. They don't care what faction you play. They just know that across thousands and thousands and thousands of results there is an observable improvement to play three ncus over two ncus or to play high activation counts not low activation counts or whatever kind of thing whatever discussion point we're talking about right but like steep people still seem quite stuck on this concept of whether or not you should play two or three ncus it is a very simple first lesson that people try to kind of like impart upon newer players is that like you know, this tactics board's really important and they can't seem to get past this idea that somebody loses an action every turn. Mm -hmm. um, but the stats don't care what you want. They will only show you what performs well. Mm -hmm. And it, the, the, just the pure concept of like, what would I want this graph to look like is like, well, I don't design the game. I just, I just, I just measure it. You no, know, no, like no. the question is, is what does what does Michael Chanel want this graph to look like? I just asked you because I was curious. That's he, all. I would love to know. He what should he want it to be a flat line, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Though maybe he wants it to be slightly better when you more use more neutrals, or maybe crazy enough, you could argue that pure factions should perform better than ones with neutrals mixed in. Like you Maybe. could argue that what they want is for the graph to go down as you use more neutrals. If you want to use this cool neutral unit, you can, but that it's worse because pure faction identity should have better synergies within it than the neutral options do. Um, and that's uh, and uh, but that's 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 a design perspective. Oh, yeah. That's a design prerogative. Uh, the stat the stats don't like I say that the stat the stats don't give a shit how you feel about it. No, <laughs> of course they don't. No, of course they don't. The stats don't care what you think. <laughs> I was I have to admit I would love to see it in a similar kind of way that we see Night's Watch and Targaryen currently 
portrayed on the graph in that I think the inclusion of some neutrals in a list I would love that to see an increased win rate um, in that like but not necessarily like oh everyone just picks Tyco everyone's win rate goes up not I don't mean that but I would love it so that a list could get a little bit better if you picked the right neutral component for the lists uh, but then if you went too heavily into it then it would drop off I, I quite like that idea personally from a design perspective um, but I agree with you yeah you'd love to see it 50% all the way across of course I mean that's true balance isn't it balance in all things <laughs> um, that'll never happen though never that, happen. that would actually be virtually impossible so suggesting that that could happen is is unrealistic um, cool uh, this is a good point because uh, Carlo drops himself in it a little bit uh, earlier on today it's a good point to tell you that if you're interested in all this side of it there's actually a load more information we're not going to go through whatsoever that carlo has been analyzing um i've selected free folk there but you can go selecting lannisters if you've been a patron on stats he's actually been going through some of the faction stuff that he's interested in himself mainly lannisters <laughs> um and breaking it down and showing people all these graphs and stuff um he is going to be or he is thinking about doing a like a breakdown video going through this way more detailed than what we've suggested here um if you're lucky yeah well so we'll see if that happens and uh and no promises i, I can't make any promises for him um but that's something interesting but it is actually something that our patrons we don't do inverted commas patron exclusive content but it is something that the patrons actually have access to and can look at if they want to, uh, as a bit of a recap of 2021. Um, I guess this when is... I work on new stuff, I ask the patrons what they think of it, yeah. <laughs> and they yeah. get to have a look at it and tell me. I mean, half of these graphs exist because uh, people asked for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I said what kind of things are people interested in, and you know that that that's the things that they came up with. Uh, so that's what I made graphs about and started to look at. Yep. Just say. The unit play rate one um, stats for basically every faction are pretty goddamn damning because <laughs> um, there's some stuff you look at and I mean let's just uh, let's just look obviously you got your yeah, sports City Watch don't count but for, for game brigands only 106 games played ouch it's more than I thought to, th to think that Kingsguard get played more than the brigands do and Kingsguard can only exist with one commander crossbow oh god anyway um, it's pretty damning. It shows you what was good and what was bad uh, in yeah, play rates. It, it, actually, it's actually super interesting to look at play rates versus win rates. Um, the thing that gets played the most is almost never ever the thing that actually performs the best, mm -hmm. um, unless you're called conscripts. Uh, they're about the only thing that is played all the time and wins all the time. Played men um, are pretty close to it as well, right? They're the, the most consistent, I think. Flayed men, okay, like depend depends if you're talking about really like the highest high, high, high. use, yeah. highest use thing in a faction. Yeah, the unfortunate thing actually is when you go and look at it, the flayed men are one of the high, are within like the top two or three performing units inside of every single faction. Yeah, it's that not is... it's not a Lannister specific thing. Like you might think, right. oh, but the synergies with Lannister. Like no, 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 just every faction. Yeah, synergistic for literally everyone. Um, all right then. Yeah, so uh, it's cool, interesting, um, and uh, God, it would be amazing if we did this for the current balance patch and saw it uh, uh, unveil for the current balance. No, <laughs> not happening for a while. Um, so 
we will move on. Uh, was there anything else I was going to talk about? Oh, yeah. Upcoming tournaments, right? Um, because we've got some big things, obviously. Uh, we'll jump straight to it now. The LGT. It's happening, still. Strangely enough, if you haven't heard enough about the LGT yet, and you're watching this, then you definitely live under a rock uh, without internet. Um, I mean, we haven't actually talked about it in quite a few weeks, because, you know, the Balance Patch uh, came in and stole the show two weeks did. ago. But, uh, I mean, but today but, but, is the last day yes. to, buy, uh, to buy a ticket and to be... And to be entered into the draw to win a faction pack start a faction starter. There is also a real possibility. We haven't decided on a date or the amount or what, but there is a real chance, particularly at the rate that the tickets have been selling. Uh, we sold a hundred tickets, and the event is capped at one twenty-eight. And the organizer, you know, like maybe we should have actually listened to them earlier. The organizer actually put quite a bit of. Uh, Pressure would be the wrong word, but he really encouraged us to actually be charging more than the £40 ticket price. And there is a real chance that the tickets will go up at some point, either at the end of next month or during the next month. Um, go up to like the £50 that he really kind of recommended that we sell the tickets at. Um, that is still significantly cheaper than the 40 k event uh, costs to play in and stuff like that. that so It's like you 70, know, 80 quid, isn't it? It's like silly. I'm not sure. Uh, it's bloody expensive. Um, That's all I remember. <laughs> Looked at it. Um, but we decided to keep it at 40, same as last year, because, you know, we uh, we thought that... we Because we still just wanted the event to grow. We wanted to hit 128 players. We wanted it to be the biggest that there's ever been. Um, and I'm sure we would have got there anyway, even if we charged the higher price. And the higher price just means that we can do more on the day. We can give out more stuff. And we can We can give out better prizes. Um, so yeah, like I really just guys buy a ticket because there aren't loads left. There is a limit at 128 that we imposed on ourselves. Um, because we think that we'd really rather there was a really good seven round one at 128 tournament than we ended up at like 150 and kind of like had a very incomplete, um, what would it be, a 256 bracket? Yeah. Um, Eight games that also we don't think that we can fit in eight games over the weekend, not at the moment, particularly you know with with the perceived longer games, all those kind of things. So guys, tickets, go and buy them. I'm not even just like I'm not here trying to tell you we need you to go and buy these tickets because it'll make the event bigger and better. Like I am flat out convinced we will be at 128. If you want to be there, don't 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 dabble and delay because you might not be able to get a ticket. Um, we have got a semi-announcement. Uh, it wasn't really an announcement. People who obviously follow this will probably already know. Uh, the man himself, uh, using last year's uh, art, because our art guy is currently unavailable. <laughs> God damn it, Scott. Um, uh, Duncan Rhodes is coming back. Uh, he liked the event so much last year, and uh, Daryl's been in contact with him again, and he's going to be returning to the London Grand Tournament uh, as planned. Um, obviously subject to his real life not getting in the way which you know like all these things it might last minute end up with covid or something like that never know um but no he'll be down at the lgt and he'll be judging the painting competition like he did last year and probably playing so you know we'll see um he played last year he probably will play he again did. yeah yeah i mean i assume that he's intending to play um yeah. he enjoys the game doesn't he so 
he is a player and he has event he has attended like you know a number of different tournaments that with, with Jamie. faithful Jamie Lannister. Jamie might be good this patch, so <laughs> or at yeah. least a bit better. So uh, you never know; he might he might uh, might go out there and take some wins with Jamie. Um, so yeah, do do check it out. Obviously, we've got uh, there's a nice just picture of Duncan's lovely face and some lovely miniatures as well. Um, so uh, yeah, do obviously buy your tickets. Um, it'll be great. It'll be amazing. Uh, we've already say sold a hundred uh, tickets now. Um, so there are only the, the ELOs are also really popular. The ELOs have had about fifty tickets sold, yeah. um, which is mental. So I mean, if you can, guys, come come for all three days. Like it, the ELO is going to be a great event. It will be presumably the biggest in-person ELO event that's ever run, and it, it's only a side event, guys. Uh, but it'll be a really, really, really good tournament. Um, it's just and, the ELO event and, is just bants. No one cares. Yeah. <laughs> come along, enjoy yourself. It's great. Have a couple of beers. And and not to, you know, say, God, I created such an amazing tournament structure, but the ELO is actually a really, really good tournament structure for when it's massively oversubscribed for the number of rounds, because that is when the point at which whoever won with the worst possible thing wins the tournament. It's not who went out there and absolutely dominated their opponents the most. It's who took the worst thing in the game and still managed to win. Um, so uh, the ELO will have had plenty of time to settle by that point. I really think that we will have uh, a good idea of what our worst factions are, neutrals. And um, we'll see whether or not people are willing to still field those worst factions and can still pull off three wins and uh, you know, and we'll decide and spread out all those three wins based on how tough those matchups were, not by whether or not you really, really dicked on your opponent, but whether or not you could eke out a win under tough conditions. And uh, and I think that that's uh, a really useful part of ELO, uh, as well as all the other bonus bonuses of changing the lists that people run, changing the commanders that are most viable, all that kind of stuff. Do you know what I actually am looking forward to the most of the ELO? Is I think ELO tournaments are going to be better because the balance is better uh, across the board. I do think that you're going to find that there are more viable... Like, the, the gulf between commanders is probably going to drop, which we'll have a little look at in a minute to see if there's any been significant changes in that front. Um, but uh, it'll be super interesting if the gulf is a lot lower, because if it is a lot lower then actually more stuff becomes viable and actually running the lowest commander on like in the event you know running one of the worst commanders in your faction is not going to be that far away from running the best so if someone yeah. wants to bring the best commander in the game to try and get all wins that becomes viable again you know in a way i'm going to try and win but you know what i went two and one with something that wasn't so good and that was actually just enough to eke out your three and oh um and yeah, it makes the whole ELO event a lot nicer because actually the, it's condensed rather than, you know, what people saw before where Offal was basically a null and void pick. Um, and on the flip side, if you picked Andrew Estemont, it was like, oh, you've, your chance of winning the event has just risen quite dramatically because he's just that bad. <laughs> um, you know, so I think if the whole pack being closer will be massively beneficial um, to ELO events as well. So I look forward to that. It's going to be good. I look forward to the LGT. LGT is just going to be good, isn't it? Yeah, it's a long way off yet. I, 
It is. I, it is. I have no doubts that it will run. I have no doubts that it will be there. I'll be there, but uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not fully mentally there yet. You know, a long, a long way, a long way. You've only just done the update for the website. You're still two weeks behind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which reminds me, uh, Carlo, when are Bear Cavalry and Drowned Men going to be added to the uh, stat site? <laughs> when their ID number becomes available through War Council. Yes. Uh, we've had that question a billion times, thereabouts. Maybe maybe a factor of 10 out, maybe it was only 100 million times this last week. Uh, when it's out on War Council, we put it on stats. It's as simple as that. Um if people don't like that, then talk to War Council and see one, not us. Uh, the fact that the, the, the actual worrying thing at this point, uh, we talk about the 2022 update, um, we still haven't seen the War Council get updated with Bear Cavalry when they have hit general no. release in the US. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, guys, like, honestly talk to them like I, I don't know like i there there is never necessarily a positive way to do it because the assumption is always that it's a complaint but i do think that there should be an expectation that when something is a general release that it's on war council um i, I would like it to be um you know what even if we had a date if this yeah, said mid, mid um, mid-february or mid-march now it'll be that's when we can get it sorted because of the red tape we know it's not them who run it it's run by an external company but yeah and and so i say like you know like they don't really have particularly official channels like the the facebook group is about as official as it gets it seems um and i don't think that people should complain and say you know you know kind of like what where where you know why this is this is bullshit kind of like stuff but i don't think there's anything wrong with you know asking continuously every day can we can we know when this is you know can can i can we please have this this has been released can we please have it can we please have it until you gain some kind of response you know yeah. like well i mean it's scary that the 22 updates still aren't on war council as well which you know, that's an entire separate kettle of fish um but yeah. yeah uh all right then so, uh, what else are we going to talk about? Oh, oh, I know what we're going to talk about. It's a Monday. It's Tawny Ground. And we've got some pictures. Hey! <laughs> so, this That's one fast. here. Have you, uh, have you seen this picture? Uh, I've not seen this picture. I've seen the work in progress. Yeah, yeah. You know who this is from then, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I know where this is from. Yeah, so uh, this is uh, Duggars, the real Duggars uh, uh, on Discord. Uh, Duggars in chat here today. Um, he uh, He's a very good painter, and he likes painting up at the moment, Greyjoys. Don't ask me why. He's just on a Greyjoy painting binge. He's a Lancer player who paints Greyjoys. <laughs> um, I mean, and he's, he's a Greyjoy simp like everybody else. <laughs> he's, uh, he's painted up these guys with the, uh, with the base. What do you think? What do you think? Uh, I think uh, I think the bronze is really nice, actually. Uh, I do like that a lot. Um, yeah, I, th I think his blue is good. Um, possibly controversial point. I don't like bases that 
thematic, but that's just me. I don't like bases. I don't like bases where people add tons of height. That's the thing I actually don't like. I don't like dogs or dragons and stuff where people have put them on like a pile of rocks that high. And I don't like the back rank. The fact that I understand that it's a ship, it's a ship's bow, it has stairs, all these things. You can create a more dy dynamic kind of pose. You can see the miniatures better, all that kind of stuff. But it breaks my immersion when I look at the table and then there's just a miniature sitting like two inches off the table. Uh, it's really, really good work. A very solid zero. <laughs> it's not for me. It's not actually for me. I don't like. I don't like thematic bases of any kind. It's true. He just likes a little bit of dirt, little bit of dirt on the base, and then some static grass. And he's like, "Oh, great base." <laughs> yeah, I want my base to look as identical to the tabletop as possible. Well, it's actually, it's actually something that uh, came up this week randomly um, to about terrain. Um, we, uh, friends of ours uh, on Friday night were playing Legion, right? And they had all this 3D terrain and everything. And it looked really good. But it's, it's, it, it feels like it suits Legion with the way that it plays and the style of the game and, and this kind of thing. Um, whereas for uh, Songwriters of Fire, I feel like 3D terrain actually detracts from the game. In a weird yeah, way. Yeah, I've never, I've never been pro 3D, 3D terrain um, no. in song, but I am pro it in other games. Yeah. Uh, I can never quite explain what it is about the way song plays that I'm really happy with the 2D terrain, and some people really find it off-putting. Some people really think that it detracts from their games. Um, but personally, I just want a really nice 4x4 mouse mat board and 2D terrain and then bases that match as closely as possible to uh, to the table. It really annoys me when I go to tournaments and then I end up on like white snowy board or something like that, and uh, and, and all my mud bases like just contrast with it really badly. But you can you can't you can't uh, can't prepare for every situation, unfortunately. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never I've never had a problem with two D terrain myself. Yeah, it's definitely a weird thing because we're we're lucky enough the club we play at has a lot of three D terrain and we could use um 3d terrain but we actively choose not to because it again it doesn't add anything to the game in our opinion um and certainly for me for me the the, the big thing is like i like seeing what's on the other side of the battlefield because the game kind of plays like that whereas i can kind of understand in the likes of 40k and in you know, legion and all the kind of skirmishy type games the idea of being behind cover and like sneaking around and doing that kind of stuff. We used to play Necromunda, right? With absolutely fucking tons of terrain. Um, it, it thematically made sense. It was great, but for song, it just doesn't doesn't feel good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, we'll have a quick look at the uh, the power rankings here. We'll look at the commanders. Last thing before we look at tournaments as a whole. Uh, Offal has probably barely been played, and as a result, his ranking has barely changed. Should we see if he's actually gone down a bit, though? See, I don't know why I have it. I'm loaded. pretty sure he has. He has dropped. Fairly consistently for a while. But yeah, I mean, since the uh, February the 13th, 14th, he has dropped off. He was at 60, and now he's wallowing at 54. So it's only a drop of 5, but I mean, probably hasn't got that many games under his belt. No. He's probably got maybe 10... 10 to 15 games in that space of time. 
Probably not very many. Um, so yeah, he's dropping. That's a good thing, surely. Because he should drop, probably. He's weaker. <laughs> um, so yeah, Mother Dragons is barely changing at all, although she is dropping. Actually, no, she's dropping quite significantly, right? She was quite high before. I always think that she was really low. Oh. Um. She's probably just not being played. Yeah, I think... Wow, look at that. That's insane, actually. Let's just take a minute there. Mother of Dragons has been played since the patch three times. Interesting, because they presented, they presented the idea that she no longer reduces the cost of dragons as not a straight nerf, right? Like, yeah. Obviously, it is a straight nerf. Um, there are new list builds to be explored and discovered with Mother of Dragons. I think the Mother of Dragons would still be played reasonably. She would be less good. She would be less um, less dominant. She would be losing ranking, but she would still be getting played if she had lost the Mother of Dragons card but dragons hadn't also been nerfed. But she was hit on both counts. Add in the fact that she kept the two victory points that she gives up, which is now an even more significant thing now that scoring is slower and that commanders can't just camp objectives. She's lost on all three fronts. Um, there are very few reasons to want to use her now. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I think I don't think we're going to see much movement in Mother Dragons at all in terms of the ranking, and uh, purely because she's not going to get played, which is kind of sad. Um, because, like Ramza says in chat, I I think she's probably garbage tier. Um, certainly. No, she's casual tier, which yeah. I think the dragons always should have been, but yeah. Um. We'll see. We'll see how that all comes out. Mance still absolutely dominates third position, and we've talked about this. Uh, it's worth noting that Mance himself has been going up in rating, but Free Folk have also been rising in rating, with Offal no longer dominating the game. Um, the Offal, the, the Free Folk win rate has gone up. Um, and as a result, Free Folk win rate going up means Mance goes up, because Mance is the best Free Folk commander. It's as simple as that. Um I will say, though, having played a couple of other commanders now, uh, if you're a Free Folk player, do try the other commanders. I think they've got value. Um, it's just such a shame that Mance is obviously the best. Um, I quite. I, mean, I don't know how you found against uh, found it the other day, Carlo. What do you think of Steer? You played against that? Um, yeah, I think that uh, Steer has some dangerous cards. Um... You mean that yeah. quest that quest card with all those vulnerable tokens I put on you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, final strike. <laughs> yeah, final you know. strike. Uh, yeah. I mean, final strike and change to final strike. Yeah, um, is quite significant. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, he definitely definitely caused me problems. Like you know, he, he's a commander to always think about. Um, Not and uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I think that he's worthwhile. That like. It's not just a Mance double pairing um, as a go-to. Yeah. Yeah, I would tend to agree there. Uh, can we just uh, spend a minute, guys? And I, does the rest of the rankings really matter at all? 
in number nine, <laughs> the man himself, uh, Loras, has finally broken into the top ten for Baratheon. He's been... Loras has always been, by significant margin, the highest performing Barra commander. Yep. Um, I mean, I was about to say, I was about to say that Renly side got no buffs. I mean, they got Thornwatch to be almost playable. <laughs> I still think that they're not even a particularly solid unit at six points. Yeah. Uh, I've seen some people talking about putting Loras in Thornwatch and using them as like a mobile assassination unit that attacks and then retreats and survives and stuff. But I still think like you, you really, you, you, you're clutching at straws. Like, yeah. Uh, overall, Loris just brings overgrowth, which is an amazing card. Yeah. Um, but Loris did get buffed. The base deck got buffed. Yep. Champions of Stag got buffed. Um, the Master Warden got buffed. There are lots of things in and around Loris, which he previously didn't use at all. Like, Loris wasn't really fielding Champions of the Stag. He wasn't really fielding Master Wardens. There are now options that he can field. I've seen some people looking at fielding Rose Knights with a Master Warden in. Um, basically, now you're like, well, if you won't attack me, then I'm going to just keep engaging you and doing five wounds a turn. Sorry, five hits every time I activate. Um, which is not crazy, but I think you really just move yourself into the range of like, well, I'm just definitely going to retreat from this unit at every possible opportunity because yeah. I never want to let you start in combat. But um, I do think that uh, Loris, Loris is always been the Baratheon top dog, and we'll see how high Baratheons can go. Yeah, uh, Baratheons have been making a slow rise, which has been good. Should we look at the bottom end, see uh, see what's been lurking at the bottom end of the commanders? Uh, see any, any significant movement? Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't know if... Uh, basically, it's Andrew, right? Does, has Andrew managed to pull himself off the bottom uh, away from Tywin? Yeah, he has! He has! Hey. Andrew, Andrew's pulled himself off bottom uh, over Tywin. Tywin is still shite. Um, and actually, rightly so, Joffrey is now at minus 58 as well. Joffrey has been that slow decline, and he never quite seemed to get there. Uh, I feel like he's heading towards that bottom point now. Um, Gregor's still there. Davos. Yeah. Oh, dear. Roderick and Rob still down there as well, so Stark's not... They're pulling them up, but not pulling them up quickly, because Roderick was quite poorly rated at one point as well. Um... I mean, guys, the stats move slowly. Like, you know, uh, especially there hasn't been that many changes, right? Like, no. they are subtle changes. They are not monumental shifts in the game balance. Um, we're seeing things creep up. We're seeing things slightly change its positioning, slightly change its ranking. But, I mean, if you want and expect them to change faster, then submit more results because the system is designed to react very slowly to results. Um, unless there is a monumental shift in its win rate, right? Like when there is a monumental shift in something's win rate, it will shoot up the rankings. But we've not seen that. What we've seen is we've seen subtle changes, and that's going to subtly move things in certain directions. Um, and it could take a while before we see that, unless we see really significant amounts of uh, people uh, submitting results. 
we've just started to see tournaments kicking off with the new uh, rules in place. Yep. And they're just going to start to creep in and we'll start to get a new idea um, over the next couple of months. Yeah. Um, Unit ELO, though, obviously everyone knows that they were reset. Uh, they are... For, they appear to be adjusting faster, but that's because they were reset. Um, so just remember that. Uh, and the Unit ELO is pretty goddamn damning at the moment uh, with one random thing. Uh, it's all Starks. Starks have had a high play rate since the change. I mean, they've always traditionally had quite a high play rate anyway except in 2021 uh but the master warden creeps in the master warden one point attachment for brathians creeps in which is kind of nuts um prefect raiders yeah, maybe better than i gave him credit for you know like i yeah i do think that having played against it um hold the line is more significant an impact than i thought it was going to be um I still don't know whether or not I want to buy it for one point, but you know, I definitely definitely give it a lot more credit when it's on the opposite side of the table now. Yeah. Yeah, especially um if there are methods of you getting into combat without having to spend activations with hold the line available in your unit, that's huge. Um I think, you know, stuff that's for an example, uh, if you can give something like BBGs hold the line now okay that's an eight point unit and it is relatively easily killed um but it, being able to come in on the charge then activate off the back of that charge and immediately do more hits that's very strong um uh you put something like you know <laughs> anything else in there uh, over on opportunities things like that you know there's there's some possibilities in it says you told me yeah you did tell us um I think the difference is, is that we don't see it, mainly because I just think low activation barrows should never start in combat if you're running hold the line. Personally. That might just be me. Um, also, people tell us we're wrong every single week, Ilya. This mm -hmm. is the first time that we've uh, we've ever had to admit that maybe somebody else was right. Yeah. <laughs> Prefect Raiders, I mean, they were always going to be at the top there, but the rest is just dominated by Starks. Um, Wardens, believe it or not, making the cut as well. Probably because of that cheaper level there. And the first Night's Watch entry we see is Swarm Brothers at 18. God, that's refreshing, isn't it? <laughs> the first Night's Watch unit not being the first 20 entries we see. Um, Chateauwatt is also interesting as well, which is probably ultimately down to the builds people are testing, people are trying in faction builds now more. We haven't seen any neutral, no neutral. entries. Yeah. No neutral. Got Stormcrow Mercs coming go. in at 22. Stormcrow Mercs, 22. Do you remember when they were a plague on the game, Carlo? When were they a plague on the game? 1.6, uh, Bran and Hodor. 1.6, Bran, Bran, Hodor, Stormcrow Mercenaries. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I'm, people mostly use Starks One Swords or Berserkers, but yes, they were they were annoying when people would buy Rickon, Brandon <laughs> Hodor, loads of dogs. We are starting to see those lists reoccur a little bit. Um, three dogs, three infantry units, and Tully Cavaliers, and two NCU's. Uh, that's a nine activation list you can actually get to with Rob Commander. Um. We'll see how that ends up being. Because if that ends up being a good list, 
that is very reminiscent of 1.6. Uh, um, mm. I hope it doesn't end up being good. <laughs> I don't want 1.6 back again. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, uh, I feel like a lot of people halfway through the last edition, you know, said like, I want 1.6 back. Oh, yeah, over 2021. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just don't like the idea of being charged with nothing I can do about it and getting killed by Tony Cavaliers and then going, oh, but it's fine. I Oh, I don't even know how to activate him. He's got three dogs. <laughs> um, gone are the days of taking Walder NCU just so you can kill dogs. I remember that. Um, yeah, should we look at the bottom? They're moving down into the, the realms of obscurity here at uh, 30 and things like this. Ironborn Bowman, Ironborn Reavers, and Eric for Greyjoys. Just. Look, guys, I'm just going to say it again. Stats don't care what you think. Stats don't care what you believe about this unit. Right now, it is losing games. We could talk about why that might be. Um, it is worth noting that the negative here is only negative 20. Whereas I think the Stark stuff that was quite strong was seeing like positive 30s. So yeah. it's comparatively lower play rate slash lower win loss rate, if you will. Um, but yeah, it's uh, damning. I, I thought Bowman and Reavers were good. I still think that they're good, personally. I would go away and try and disprove these stats. But I do wonder if Greyjoys are just losing to the likes of Melisandre Axel builds or... Things like that, so... Yeah. Um, Maybe, but the thing that you're talking about them losing to, Lightbringers are also down there down at the bottom. Down there as well. So... Greyjoys are currently losing, guys. No, or at least the things that we think make up a good Greyjoy list Just aren't currently before. not exactly winning. No. I wonder if that will change as the things get more settled. Or whether or not Greyjoys are just struggling at the moment. They do. Um, so, yeah. You know what I am surprised about? Maybe it's because less people are playing them. I don't know. Tyrion, half-hand commander. So Tyrion is the lowest-rated Lannister piece. Lannisters aren't abysmally as bad uh, in terms of like what's losing compared to the Ironborn-type stuff. Um, which is surprising. I think the play rate's a lot lower, so that'll have a much bigger impact. But yeah. Nice to know the buff to Savage Giants didn't mean a fucking thing. <laughs> Still the lowest rated free folk unit. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's certainly interesting. Obviously, we've got a long way to go before we see... Oh, look at that. Just Can we just have a, a moment of silence, please? The Tycho Nostorus wallowing at 294. That is a 293 place drop. Poor <laughs> uh, Tycho. And how, how, sorry, just remind me, how many points did they change him by? That would be a 20% increase in his price. 25% if you increase his old snap, right? I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he had a one-point change, and it's a massive change in his apparent power level. We said it before, one point is a lot of points. Um, so, we will go to events. And we'll talk about events as the last thing today, because we haven't done this in a while, and... Carlo, do you know how many events are happening this weekend? Do you know? I guess, are we at like four? Four? Let's try doubling that. 
Eight events. There are eight events this weekend happening. So, I'll go through a couple of events. Uh, technically, one's already started, but we didn't give it a shout-out last week. Um, we have a Dream of Spring, which is a Russian TTS event uh, that technically starts on the 1st of March, which is tomorrow. Um, but they have, for some reason, they put the February the 27th in there. Uh, 17 players in a event for Russian TTS players, I assume. Um, awesome. Yeah, brilliant. Um, they've got a decent, they've had a decent crowd there for a while, so it's good to see them continuing to play. Um, Is it, um, oh, who, who always wins? Lordic. Uh, Lordic. There we go. Are we expecting, are we expecting Lordic? Yeah. He's in there. He's in the oh. event, Oleg. Uh, he, is, he is in. Here we go. See if Lodic can remain uh, king, king of Russia. It is. I mean, there are quite a few other names in there, like so Friendly Fact Octopus, Eve 76, mm-hmm. Spirit, Spirit. Jimbo, uh, Five Goril, like names at Yak, names I've definitely recommended before, seen before. Um, yeah. So, yeah, great, great stuff. Uh, and I hope that event goes really well for them. Uh, it seems like they've got that TTS community nailed down, and it might only be like 20 of them that play, I think. But if they're playing regularly, who cares? You know? Um, we've then got a load of events this weekend. So that's tomorrow. We've got eight different events happening uh, over this weekend coming up. Literally, TTS events obviously happen over time. We have got so many events happening in this next weekend. We have got Invaders Store reopening, which, by the way, brilliant. It's brilliant that obviously a story opening up in uh, in Indonesia. Uh, that's looking to run an eight-person event in store. Uh, they're looking to run it ELO. Hey, kickstarting, awesome. re-kickstarting all the uh, the local communities up there. Fantastic. Um, we've got Talvisotta. I probably butchered that. Uh, an event in Helsinki. I'm going to throw it out there that if I check out who's in here. Yep. Timu running an event there, uh, currently at 10 players. Um, so that's another Finnish event obviously happening there. Uh, great. Obviously, we, we spoke to Timu the other week. I am under no impressions that they'll be having a good event there. And he's going for two days. Solid. Have a good weekend uh, playing games. We have got some pronunciation that I'm not even going to try <laughs> in uh, in Poland another Polish event we, where would we be without the Polish scene doing an event um, we have currently got eight people signed up there are more on the waiting list uh, it's all the usual names the likes of Blood Raven uh, Masara Peter uh, all there so it's another event happening this weekend uh, on Saturday we have got another event in Poland which is a league starting up they're looking to provide and they've opened it up to said to 100 players. Powell, who's in uh, was in chat earlier today, is looking to run this. Uh, Suster, um, I'm guessing he's wanting a lot of people to sign up to this event. And I don't know if it'll be starting now and then ending in November or what he's got planned uh, for who's going to sign up, what's going on there. Um, we'll see. He's opened himself for a massive event there, potentially, uh, if he can try and get the players in. It'd be interesting if some we saw... You know the clash of regions we saw uh, the Spaniards mm-hmm. do last year. Yeah, I'd love to see something like that happen in in Poland because although I don't know if they've got as an extreme level of player base, they definitely have got clusters which could do an event similar style, uh, which I'd love to see. And this might be the start of that um, bringing together of the Polish community, which would be great. 
Um, we've got a dance with Daventry. Now, this one gets a special shout out. Uh, this is being uh, run by the Tain, one of our patrons. Um, he has got 11 people signed up, but that's a lie. He's actually sold 15 tickets. Um, the other couple of the others haven't signed up on the site yet. He's got one ticket left for the event running in Daventry. Um, yeah, one ticket. So if you're interested and you're in the Daventry or local area, sign yourself up, get yourself going along. There's names on there that we've seen before, like of Tim Whitney, the great painter. Uh, Carly is going along. I think it'll be Carly's first event uh, on stats, uh, who does all the frontline gaming articles. Um, we've got Brian McGonagley. Do you think he's going to take his free, uh, free folk and run some mammoths? Maybe. We can hope. I mean, I can see his lists, but... <laughs> I know you can, because you're an admin. Uh, <laughs> uh, Scadders, and we've got uh, Psycho as well. Uh, so that'll be great to see that event. And, and obviously, I, ho I really hope it goes well. It's the first event that they're running in Daventry, um, that mm -hmm. Tane's running. And I, I think he's hoping it really kicks off well. Um, and I hope it really kicks starts the community there, because I know that he loves the game. And, yeah. uh, you know, there are a lot of people. It's quite central, Daventry. Um, central UK, I mean, it's still south. But it's relatively central, so it's a good place for people from London and the East Coast to get across and play games as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you really hope that when somebody runs an event like that, people will travel for it. You know, the the guys from Liverpool are going, Scadman, other names that we've seen before. People are traveling for it, but you hope that it can also engage the local community, get the local players enjoying the game, um, and 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 really grow that shop scene as well um so hopefully hopefully it manages to achieve both of those yeah yeah no, i really do hope uh so if you are local to the area or you are not so local but fancy the travel for the weekend do get tickets on saturday uh one ticket left um so hopefully that gets snapped up this week uh next up we've got the walls of winter um this was a rescheduled tournament um after they had some issues with scheduling and things like this uh this is run by mythicos uh over in new jersey uh they're running at the new jersey store uh mythicos old friends uh stats uh who uh with us back in the days of the guild which is over a year ago uh now carlo over a year ago when that all packed up um yeah which means that it started a year before that right roughly i think it was I like think. nine months ten months before that yeah give or take um so yeah, uh, obviously that's fantastic to see, and I'm guessing I haven't got any players sign up just yet. I'm guessing they'll do sign up on the day because I think that's what they did last time. Um, like they will turn up in the morning, sign up, and put the list in when they get there. Um, but yeah, no, I really hope that that event goes really well. Um, so yeah, can we just take a minute? I saw this artwork when I was loading all these up earlier. This artwork—it's amazing. I don't know where they got it from. Yeah, I mean, tell you what. There is a lot of brilliant A Song of Ice and Fire artwork out there from like uh, all the board games that have existed, mm -hmm. all the card games. You can find like tons of art from RPGs. Yeah, I mean, if you go looking, there's a, there's a lot of really good stuff. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this is another event in Russia. This is a physical event, um, at three round event in Russia. Uh, I'm not gonna try and work out where, guys. It's on the site. It's there. I'll zoom out a little bit on the map so you can see. No, yeah, I know that. It's near Yekaterinburg. Um, so uh, it's currently got 10 players. It's similar kind of people we saw before, uh, Evgeny. Um, but it looks like a much more local event. And it's interesting to see names that we don't see on the TTS there as well. 
So that's good. Uh, getting more players involved and obviously furthering the scene there in Russia. I really hope that one goes well. We've got Chelmsford Bunker, a class of members march, which is their... Um, they're kind of doing this now at Chelmsford. Uh, I know that Dan and some of the other guys have been trying to get this going, uh, as well as James uh, Stanford. Um, they want to try and get like a semi-regular tournament going in the Chelmsford area. Um, so they could go along and have these game days. And you'll notice most of them are from the Chelmsford area. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's a fantastic idea. You know, I do think it's a really good idea. Have, you know, regular club nights or whatever. And then have like a, you know what, we'll do a weekend. And we'll do that with semi-regularity, even if it's, you know, once every couple of months. What a great way to get people together and put all these list tests and all the the rivalries from things like the club nights to the test. You know, yeah. um, I think it's really good. Uh, it's a shame that our community is A, quite small, Carlo, and B, we're all busy on weekends. <laughs> uh, so doing weekend games like this are hard. Um but it is, it's a, it's a good thing to see. Um, and I think that is it. That's all eight covered. There we go. All of the eight events that are running just this weekend in one fell swoop. The, there's also been a bit further out, you know, like we're starting to see announcements for um, US national qualifiers. Uh, I know Sunday Slaughter will be running one. Um, mm -hmm. I believe Fabricators Forge. They've also they've also got a date for one. I know that Mythicos are putting together a date for one. Uh, so I hope to. Uh, I, ho I hope there's lots more of them. I hope there's uh, loads. Oh, I'll tell you what. That's uh, almost a piece of news, right? I don't know how widely it is known, but it has been officially, as far as I can tell, been announced that there is going to be a last chance qualifier. Oh, yeah. On the Thursday before U.S. Nationals, so I can stop complaining about how I'm not allowed to enter U.S. Nationals. I'll just have to go and win, uh, what, like 12 games in a row or something to be able to uh, win Nationals. Uh, but uh, you know what? If there's a route, that's all I want, and uh, I'm really pleased about that. So hope to see uh, hope to see as many as you can at Gen Con. Mm -hmm. um, there is... Uh... I'll quickly get this one up. I just found this one, which I really like the idea of. Sorry, this is a UK event happening in uh, March, not February. <laughs> it's happening on March. Uh, bring your own box starter tournament. So is it a is it a five pound entry? And you aimed at new experience. Ah, so you just you take a along starter box. Thirty point yeah. thirty point games, and you just take a starter box. Love it. Yeah. Love yeah, it. I um, I think that's a brilliant idea. I looked at the idea as like an escalation league for quite a while. Never quite managed to make it happen in the end. Uh, but yeah, like personally, I thought uh, a week by week escalation, where every so often you add a one more box to your collection, um, is a really great way to bring new players in. And um, yeah, um, I think that the starter box is a really, really good way to run a starter tournament that then just doesn't exclude people who don't have huge collections and yeah. they were just trying to get into the game. And, you know, that graph that we showed shows how incredibly important it is to get yourself a neutral heroes box. And, like, you know, like, these are just things, like, that feel like barriers to entry to competitive play for some players. Um, so then just to say, all you need is that really, really good value 
really nice single box starter set that they sell mm-hmm. the the value inside of a starter set is absolutely undeniable which is you know very common these days with all games marvel crisis protocol star wars legion all these games when you look at the starter set like so commonly the advice is like buy multiples of it because it's such good value mm-hmm. um but uh the starter set is such a complete army but they're very, very rarely fielded as such in competitive play. And I think that's a really, really interesting idea and a very interesting discussion about what faction would even be the best. Um, I know which one's the best. Starter box only. Rathians, isn't it? Because that time that Fabio beat Michael with... <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I might... Oh, no. I mean... Ooh. I guess I'd go. I guess, I guess I guess I'd go. John Knight's Watch. Yeah, I would Double go. Swarm Brothers. You got Watch Captains. Yeah, yeah it's got to be Ranger John Knight's Watch. Uh, Ghost. Yeah. Yeah. John Knight's John Knight's Watch is pretty good. Free Folks. Garbage. garbage. I mean, you can get Mance. Not that garbage. <laughs> um, Targs. Targs is decent with a Drogo list. Drogo vets. Like, you play an all cavalry Drogo list. Is it double it's streamers outriders? Good. Double Screamers, Outriders, Veterans. Yeah, oh, okay, that that's actually... And you get Illyrio, right, still? Um, who's the solid pick. Um, and probably, like, Danny NCU. Actually, yeah, that's basically a full target list. Um, 30 points, you have to scale it back a little bit. Uh, Lannisters are garbage. Lannisters are... What, double Guardsmen, Halberdiers, Clegane, Brigands, if you're running the new one? Um, nah. Starks might be okay. Double Swans, Berserkers. You got Rob. Yeah, got a great yeah. John. Yeah, Stark, Stark, Rob and Great John. Yeah. Um, uh, Rage Guys, they're missing their seven point unit, and you've got to field Reavers at six. You're on double yeah. Reavers. Sorry, Reapers. Reapers. Reapers is what I meant. Hollow yeah. Reapers. I know. You do have Victoria. You have, you have to ask your commander, though, probably. Victorian as a relentless. Ah, yeah. uh, you know what? I'd be really interested to see the tournament play out. Yeah. I'd actually think that's really, really interesting if uh, you actually just gave that to really high-level competitive players and see how it played out. I think Night's Watch would probably win it, but I'm not sure. Not sure. Uh, anyway, uh, we also have, as I said, you, you mentioned the Games Haven there. So I thought I'd bring this up, Gamers Haven Sunday Qualifier as well. It is happening on May the 21st. Uh, it won't be the only national qualifier that they're running, obviously. Uh, I say that will be running. Um, there will be other events running as well. But obviously this is uh, the one that we talk about because it's on stats. And if it's on stats, we'll talk about it. That's how it works. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's 24 players and they're looking for uh, over 17 where the top four will then qualify. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. So as long as they hit above 17. 16, they'll get four qualifiers, right? Yeah. Uh, good luck to them. Uh, well, very quickly, because we're not even at two hours yet. It's mental. Um, we'll very quickly just go through uh, some events that did run. We had a Polish event happening, uh, just a six-player event called the Milik Conspiracy uh, that was won by uh, Starks. Great stuff. Great John. Uh, Let's have a quick look at the lists. Great John, great John. Eddard. I'll share these on uh, some of these on Facebook later on the week. It's a great mm, John, Master Girls, Girls. Great John. 
Berserkers. Moment veteran, moment veteran, moment veteran. Moment spam. Oh. And Eddard with she-bears, cavaliers and starts on swords and moments in everything. Um, moment. With with the healing with the healing glory seeker, the uh what does uh what does Eddard Eddard's one do that heals as well? So the same same Rally ability. Cry. Rally cry. Rally yeah. cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've Basically. got a question for you, Carly. Have we? Because I am curious. Have we found finally found a meta of attachments? Um, because I'll tell you later. You we'll run we'll attachments see. in a lot of your units. I'm running them a lot in mine. Starks seem to be running a lot of them, although I don't necessarily think they should. Maybe I don't know. Is the one-point attachment, or the three-point attachment, I mean, two-point attachment, we're still... Meh. But is the one-point yeah, to three-point cool. attachment choice actually now quite appealing? Maybe. Maybe. People seem to think that they are. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, uh, yeah, Starks won that event. We had uh, another event in Poland, nine players. Uh, this was run by Loris and Stannis. Wardens, Wardens, Champs, Champs. God, I hate Champs in the stag. Um, mm, wardens, Wardens, Lightbringers, Queen's Men. Interesting. Oof, Queen's Men, Ramsey, Theon. Jesus. What's Ramsey give again? Uh, the uh, Intimidating Presence? An Intimidating Presence. The heal yeah. and Intim. Uh, okay, so he can bring you back to life as you start to die. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't know if. Nah, I wouldn't pay nine points for that unit myself. I'd just stay away from it. <laughs> it's movement four. <laughs> Fucking killing the rest of your army first. Um, uh, what else have we got? Fabricates Forge. Oh, this was won by Ian. It was a 50 point event at Fabricates Forge. He ran Jaw and uh, John. Uh, in a 50 point event, though, so very different. Um, obviously. Changing the changing the spectrum a little bit, but a real mix of units with veterans, hunters, swarm brothers, conscripts, cold hands. The NCU lines very similar, um, but yeah, good to see a, a different collection there come out from Ian. A fifty point event. We had uh, the first event run by Chile. Uh, Simon uh, Hernandez uh, won this. He was just in chat earlier, and he run it with Starks running Great John and Umber. Sorry, Great John and Eddard. Hmm. There's a combo we've seen before, Carlo. I wonder where we've seen that before, Carlo. Did we see it just before, Carlo? <laughs> Did we see it in Lockerbie's team event a lot, Carlo? <laughs> um, Let's have a look at the lists. I, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess less less veteran spam, but maybe maybe they still did. Moment she bears with a great John. Yeah. Berserkers great with a moment vet. Berserkers with a moment vet. Naked berserkers. Right. Stark outriders. Only two. A lot of moment veterans. And in the Eddard, I mean, no attachments. Kind of suggests, kind of suggests why moment veterans are currently the number one rated thing on the site in terms of unit rankings because people just... have been spamming them hard and winning events. Yep, hmm. probably. Um, so yeah, uh, it's good to see. I like this Eddard list though. I mean, it just disproves that whole conversation that, that about attachments. Two or three NCUs. Two. Spencer and Caitlin. It's interesting. We've seen a lot of low activation counts. I think. Outside of, I mean, the fifty was different. Obviously, there was a lot of swarm brother, uh, a lot of watch captains, and that. But there was a lot of seven activation that's going on there. Um, so yeah, I'd be interested to see 
how things shake out. I do think that is really, um, I think it's really time for just uh, an open, open TTS event. Like, I think it's time to for people to throw down and uh, find out, have people come out with whatever they can really pull together as the nastiest thing, um, and and see and see where things go. We had a uh, twenty-player event in Germany. Uh, this was near the Belgian border, I believe, uh, not far from the Belgian border. Uh, this is almost almost unpronounceable. But someone did uh, check it out the other week. It's basically as close to mean like bar fight or let them fight or something like that. Anyway, uh, Rossi, Rossi uh, player, obviously that we've heard of, and Ilya uh, came in with uh, three wins, but Rossi won it on secondaries with his Baratheons. Um, Axel and Courtney, so mixing it up a little bit. The Axel Queen's Men, uh, Davos in Lightbringers, interesting. Doubles Dragons and Noble Wardens, Melisandre Reese Walder. Interesting to see Walder see some play in some of these lists. Um, still think Walder's shit, but he's seeing play, so I mean, sure. And uh, a Courtney list there. Well, I mean, you say that. He's not picked very often, but one of the most surprising things I found when I started looking at those results is Walder is one of the highest win rates in yep. every faction. I know. But I challenge you on that a little bit. And I will challenge All right. you. Alright, so this is the classic this is the classic I don't like the stats, so I'm gonna tell you why they're wrong. No. But like Do you, but think... you just have to accept that he no, is winning the game. He's winning the game. Do you think that that is a lot to do with the fact people are trying to NCUs a lot more? And the two v three NCU like games are happening more regularly. Think of the number of two NCU lists we've seen in the meta a lot more. Where I'm I talking about the entirety been. of 2021. Oh, 2021. Fair enough. I didn't realize that's what you were talking about. No. That does surprise me. Yeah. I've got. I think he's shit, but yeah, so you I. can't deny the fact that he is winning. I wonder where he was winning. I'm going to have to look that up now. Do some investigation. No, again, um, this is the thing. This is Mickey being one of those shit users of the site. No. That comes in. I disagree with it. Now I have to find a reason why it's not true. Like, no, I have to find oh, out why he was winning. Into, like, why it's happening or what this is. Yes, like it does generate a question. You should discuss yeah. whether or not he is powerful. But what you're looking for is you're looking for a reason why you can discount those results. No, I'm looking, looking for a reason why like, he's winning. <laughs> oh, they're, they're, they're different because, you know, your opponent wasn't using many NCUs or something like that. But, like, that's not the way everybody should look at these results. They should just be like, here's this thing. Mm-hmm. I should reevaluate my opinion on that thing. Like, I should think about it. Maybe try it. Don't try it. Do whatever. Give it more respect. Give it less respect. As soon as you to- go digging as soon as you go digging oh, for yeah. the reasons why and start like singling out results as like oh but i discount this result because this or this or this or this oh, yeah. we lose the value of what it is to look at things in that pure objective way which is he is performing better than i thought he was yeah and i'd like to know why that is that's all i was saying i'd love to know why he's performing better than we think because like you say i think he's shit but he's clearly not. This so is the thing. The why, why the why isn't look at the results. The why is he is performing better because he is better than you give him credit for. Okay. Sure. The why is never allowed to be the specifics of the game. 
No, but it has to be. I mean, you. It has to, to some extent where he's being used. Surely, to some extent, you know, if he's being used in Night's Watch, for example, I would go right. Why is he good in Night's Watch? Um, if he's being used in Baratheons and he was winning with Baratheons, I say, why is he winning Baratheons? You know, um, those are the questions I would ask. Okay. Yeah, that's just curious. I'm just curious as to why he's there than he is. That he's the highest win rate in nearly all factions. He's one of the lowest uses, but one of the highest win rates in many, many factions. That is interesting. Um, That's just making me want to look at at why that might be. Um, And then run him more, clearly. (laughs) Um, So... Um, all right then. All right. So that is uh, the end of that. There's one last thing we need to do before we sign off for this week, and uh, it is for our good friend Lockerbie. Um Let's see if this is the right one. He said we'd do it on here. Double check. Awesome. So Lockerbie has put together a new spreadsheet to do the round pairings and everything for. Uh, the second week of the TTS uh, event. Ooh. I know, right? Um, he said the pairings are up. Hey, so uh, currently in first place is Counting Crows uh, with three wins. Don't panic in at second place by VPs, I believe. Um or maybe he maybe he hasn't got this right. But anyway, round two. Yeah. <laughs> they don't his... look like they're in order. No, they're not in order. He, uh, we'll fix it afterwards. But round two, this is the important bit. We can see that um, round two, feast for crows, uh, is the game mode, and we have we do not win versus I guess I'm captain. Counting crows versus the Flatlanders, the League of Nations versus the First Triumvirate. Uh, somewhat decent versus Heroes World, Don't Panic versus Western Warriors, and a free win for the World Wardens of the West, who will get the bye this week. Um, <laughs> I, I forgot I forgot there was a bye, and I honestly was like, who called themselves a free win? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a bye. Um, so there we go. Those are the uh, things for today. Let's uh, zoom in a little bit. Let's go for... There we go. Mainly because uh, Lockerbie is actually writing live on there for you guys to see. If you're watching this, he's written, I'm live on TG, hi community. And the next thing he's going to write is, mum, grab the camera. Um, so round two is uh, the, the listings are up on the spreadsheet here. They'll be posted, obviously, in the Discord group for those who are playing in the team event. Um, any final words, Carlo? No, uh interesting to see how things pan out in the event there's already been some wins that um you know like rising based on names alone uh so really interested to see where it ends up this was also uh the person who i was talking to about the neutral usage also this is a very interesting discussion around the team usage rules and i'll be interested to see how these factions perform where some of them are limited to not being able to duplicate certain NCUs. Like your first four points can't be on Peter Baelish because somebody else uh somebody else might want Peter Baelish. Um so we might see 
more pure factions. Like, you know, we already looked at the lists, but we see the factions in their truest light in a lot of ways, undiluted. So I think this is a very interesting tournament, although, of course, it's relatively small number of results in the grand scheme of things over a few weeks but uh there's a lot of a uh, lot of important players in it um bringing bringing their a game so uh yeah i think um this one's an interesting one to watch good luck to everybody who's entering one of those eight tournaments kicking off this weekend going on this weekend and just uh thanks for using the site keep getting your results in so that we can get some interesting things to talk about uh, as early as possible mm-hmm. definitely um Cool. In which case, guys, uh, we'll leave it there for this week. Uh, uh, leisurely, just over two hours. Um, so thanks a lot for tuning in yet again. Um, we'll be back next week where we'll be talking about, I'm sure, hopefully some news. Maybe War Council have updated. If not, we'll find something to talk about, I'm sure. Maybe have a small episode. Who knows? Um, and uh, I hope everyone's games this week go really well. Uh, I hope everyone wins and or enjoys himself at least that's the important thing and uh we'll catch you this time next week have a good weekend guys ready aim release anyone see my mammoth <laughs> <laughs>